Episode number eight, nearly at double figures, which is pretty crazy. Uh, I just quickly want to take this opportunity to say thank you to everyone who's listening right now. I'm beyond grateful that you all take the time to listen and yeah, I appreciate you all. In this episode, I sat down with Abir Arabi, who is one of the coaches I work with at Real Fit Strength and Conditioning. Uh, I honestly can't speak highly enough of Abir. She's a great coach and an even better person. Yeah, we basically discussed her journey to get to where she is now. It's a um, pretty interesting little story. I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Okay, Abir, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me on. How's your morning been? Didn't work this morning? Nah, pretty good. It's been pretty good. I um, did some baking actually this morning. Ooh, some baking. Yeah. What did you make? Some beef pies. Beef pies. Now, you're, quite the, you're actually quite the chef, aren't you? I wouldn't say chef. I'd say amateur <laughs> home cook. <laughs> I don't know. I'm yet to taste anything of yours that um, doesn't taste amazing. So I'm yet to be proven wrong on that one. <laughs> now, I actually feel very lucky to have you here today, given your um, history of this sort of stuff, given oh, that you're stop. a um, <laughs> radio superstar here in Canberra. So for any of you guys that know a beer, you might have heard her on ABC Radio here in Canberra. It's been interviewed twice this year. How was that? Um, oh, God, it was pretty good. I was very nervous, um, but it was a good experience. Yeah, definitely. So the first one you went into the studio, hey? Yeah. Then the second one was during um, the coronavirus shutdown. Yeah, it was during the lockdown, so they didn't have any guests in the studio, so it was over the phone. Yeah, okay. I was equally nervous for both, but yeah, they were good. No, you did really well. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was interesting. Okay, so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about your story. So where I want to start with that is, because it's pretty interesting, uh, your parents, so you're first-generation Australian, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah. So you're the first of your family to be born here. That's right. That's yeah. really cool. So where are your parents from? Um, so my parents are both of Palestinian heritage. Um, my dad is a refugee from Gaza, and my mum originally is from Palestine, but she was born and raised in the Gulf. So she was actually born in Kuwait and raised in United Arab Emirates. Um, but, Yeah. That's really cool. Do you know how old they were when they came to Australia? Um, yeah, so they migrated over here. Um, my dad came over on a skilled migrant visa. He's actually a um, geological engineer by trade. So he did about nine years of study over in the Middle East and then he came over. Um, they came over in, I want to say, 91. Yeah, and then or maybe 92 and they had me over here in 93. Yeah, okay. So you're, do you have... Older siblings? Yeah. Were they born in Australia? No, some so older sister. She was born in um, in Turkey, actually. Were you the first child born in Australia? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I knew you were the first generation. I didn't know you were the actual first child. Yeah, yeah, no, the original. I started the trend <laughs> the <original>. here. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Where Whereabouts in Australia were you born? Um, in Western Sydney. So I was born in Auburn Hospital, actually, but we were living in um, Punchbowl at the time. Yeah, Punchbowl. Yeah. So you, so then you grew up in Punchbowl, yeah. childhood. Yeah, yeah. How was that? It's pretty good. I, I saw nothing um, different. It was great. I loved living in Western Sydney. But then going back there now, I'm like, oh, this is why my dad had a 5 p.m. curfew <laughs> on coming home. This is why he didn't let us ride the bike out of the cul-de-sac. Or, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a dodgy area. But when you grow up there, you don't see that. No, and as a child, you're kind of just oblivious to stuff. Absolutely, as well, you don't realize that the drug dealers down the road are, um, (laughs) 
you know, running a full-blown business. And <laughs> yeah. Just normal everyday life. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so you went to um, primary school there in yeah. Punchbowl? Yeah, yeah. How was that? Um, it was pretty good, actually. Um, I had a really good experience in schools, but I jumped around a little bit because um, my sister went to high school um, in different locations. So we sort of did like the kindy and then year one to year four somewhere else and then went to another school um, for the rest of primary school. But yeah. What was a beer the child like? Oh, might want to get my mum on for that. <laughs> uh, Were you studious? Um, at the subjects that I liked, probably. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I was studious. Can you tell the story about when you came home and told your dad about year one? Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> so this sums up um, the character. And I think a lot of us have like little stories from our childhood that just display your character as an adult. And you just remember? Yeah. yeah. Like the, your character just doesn't change from when you're a little child. There's little quirks just always stay with you. But um, so the story is basically it was the last day of kindy. Um, my dad picked me up and he said I was very stressed out. So got in the car. He goes, you just looked really anxious. He got home and he just sat me down. He goes, what's going on? And I looked at him and I said, dad, it's going to be real hard work in year one. Um, and I had all my library books ready to go so I could read them over summer. <laughs> so <laughs> that sums up my anxieties towards all of the future future things. <laughs> but obviously you made it through year one. Yeah. yeah, made it made it out alive. Oh, well done. Thanks. <laughs> then, um, so you went to high school in Punchbowl as well? Uh, no, so I went to high school in Beverly Hills Girls. Oh, Beverly Hills. Yeah, it doesn't sound as flash as it, well, it's not it as flash as it sounds, yeah. yeah. How was high school? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, we you know those people that liked high school or you hated it at all? Oh, you know, pretty standard. Neither here nor there? Yeah, I had a good group of friends, so that made it made it a lot better. Yeah, okay. When you were in school, did you know what you wanted to do post-school, like when you when you grew up, so to speak? Absolutely not. I had no clue. I thought, I need, I thought I'd get into something health-related because I've always been just more inclined towards working in the health sector. I like the idea of being healthy, I guess. Yeah. Um, I initially was had all of my hopes set on being a dietitian. Um, but oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Was, you know when you sort of go through those career pathways in year 10 and they talk to you about what you're more inclined to do? Yeah. Did you have like the big book? It was like a phone directory with like careers yes, in it? Yeah. Yes, yes. The UAC that. guide, yep. yeah. Yeah, So you run through that and you put all your tabs in yeah. and you, you're like, yeah, I'll be a nutritionist or – I'll be an accountant or whatever. And then yeah. um, you put all your hopes towards that, like not knowing what it actually entails when yeah. you get into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So you kind of always thought you'd go down some sort of health, some sort of line of work in the health industry, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, um, then when you finished school, you went to uni, didn't you? Yeah, I went straight from year 12 to uni. Yeah. What were you studying? Um, I got into a Bachelor of Health Science and Health Promotion. Um, I did that just straight out of school, three years, finished my bachelor's degree, and then that was it. That's cool. How did you find uni? Um, it was... Tougher it was, than year one? Yeah, definitely tougher than year <laughs> one. <laughs> it was more challenging than they, you know, you anticipate. I wasn't um, exceptionally studious, but I was always organised, and that, I think, does, like, people don't tell you how it's like to actually be in uni and how submitting assignments is a whole ordeal and, you know... Um, Accessing your resources is a whole different thing. There isn't a teacher there to guide you through everything. But, yeah, I made, I made it out in three years, so, yeah, it was pretty good. Made it out in three years? Yeah. So like you're in prison? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, that's cool. So then once you so once you graduated uni, did you go straight into a job? Oh, so actually, so when you did uni, were you still in Sydney at that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every all of my education was in Sydney. So yeah. um, I literally had. So I think we finished exams in September of 2012. Sorry, 2013, which is my when I graduated uni, and then I got a job in November of 2013 um, at a corporate industry in um, in Sydney, actually, in the city. Yeah. Okay. How long did you do that? Uh, I was there for about three, almost three years. Yeah, right. Yeah. How'd you find that? Yeah, it was good. Um, you sort of leave the industry and I was hoping to get into something, being in the line of health promotion, I was hoping to get into something non-for-profit where you plan and advocate for health initiatives for a population group. Yeah, okay. Um, I was hoping to work with disadvantaged communities because I'd actually done my um, experience with um, a women's health centre, which was great, but I, you just can't get into those fields without experience. So yeah, okay. um, my alternative was to go into the corporate sector. So I did that. It was it was, rem- was kind of related to my degree, but not really. It was more to get some experience up my sleeve. And I thought, well, oh, once I do this, I'll get into that. And then I kept trying to get into that industry in the non-for-profit sectors and advocacy work. But um, yeah, it was really hard to get into that. Yeah, okay. So then... So then what happened after that? So after that three years, was that when you came to Canberra? Yeah, yeah. So I moved to Canberra then. Yeah. What brought about the move to Canberra? Um, bit of a change and just wanting to experience living somewhere else. We've always lived in um, in Sydney, like, you know, grew up there and stuff. So thought we'd try another state. And I've always liked Canberra. It's very charming. Very charming? Yeah, it's a cute little city. <laughs> Haven't regretted it? No, I love it here. Absolutely love it. Yeah, that's awesome. So then when you got to Canberra, um, what happened then? Did you get a similar job here to what you're doing in Sydney initially? Yeah, yeah. Or? So I came over um, to another um, another position. It was um, in Did you just get management. like a transfer or something? Or no, no, different companies. So I actually resigned from my job in Sydney and then got offered a job here, um, yeah, in, in um, project management. Um, very different. It wasn't even related to the health sector at all. Um, but, yeah, so – got to work in that industry and I loved it. It was a really good job, um, good people that I worked with. But, yeah, I was doing my Cert 3 and 4 at the time as well. I started it in Sydney and I just thought I'll do it when I come here as well. Yeah, okay. So you started it – yeah, okay. So did you say you started Cert 3 and 4 in Sydney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just finished. Yeah. I was just doing it online, so I just kept oh, finishing Oh, okay. So you, were, um, so you were already training and stuff? You've been training the whole time in a gym? Yeah, yeah, training myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – just come over and join the gym. How old were you when you first started training in the gym? Oh, I think I got my first membership at 15. Yeah, it was 15. Yeah, okay. Yeah, which is about the same age as a lot of people, I think. So then how old were you when you started doing your Cert 3 and Cert 4? Oh, I would have been about 20 maybe, 21. Yeah, okay. And how did – so you, at that time you were doing your corporate job? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so what brought about you wanting to do a Cert 3, Cert 4? Um, yeah, so I had no intention of being a personal trainer. I had actually experienced some sessions with PTs and I was like, this is, this can't be it, man. Like I need to learn how to do this stuff on my own. Cause I just didn't, I don't know, man, I don't know if I just didn't mesh with anybody properly or. Well, that's the thing. Have... That is one of the things about having a coach. Like it's a massive personality thing. Like if you don't mesh with the person, it's just yeah. not going to work. But more than that as well, I. I booked some sessions in with various PTs at different gyms in Sydney and I could ask them a really simple question like what does this exercise do and I could never get a straight answer 
Like I just never understood the why behind what I was doing and that always frustrated me. And then I'd resort to the internet and back then there was no like Instagram um, to like have, you know, as a resource. So, um, which a lot of people do use now, but the just online resources were really confusing because it was either tailored towards people who had a knowledge in the field or um, already knew what they were doing, but I was a total noob. So um, just confused me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this course and I'm going to actually just learn how to train myself and that way I don't need to rely on any personal trainers. <laughs> so yeah, okay. that's that's exactly why I signed up for the course and I just did it online. Yeah, right. So you just did Cert 3 and four, Cert 4 in fitness essentially to just for education to help you with your own training. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you started doing that online when you're in Sydney. Yeah. And then you just kept doing that when you came to Canberra. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I just had to submit some assessments and stuff online and then was pretty much done with it. And yeah, I was training at a gym here in Canberra. Um, and you know, you just sort of small talk with people and they found out that I was doing my course and offered me my hours there so I could do my um replacement hours. My placement, yeah. yeah. And then after that I just got offered some hours to do some classes and I was like, Oh, yeah, I guess. So I'm essentially you were still you so by this time you'd moved to Canberra. Yeah. You were still working your corporate job. You'd had you finished your Cert 3 and Cert 4 by now and then you were just training in this other gym and they just offered you hours after you did your placement there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They said, we've got some classes that you want to run. I said, oh, that might be fun. Like, I'll just do it before and after. I'm there anyway. Like, I used to go to the gym pretty much every day. So, yeah, I thought I'd teach a few classes and then, I don't know, what happened from there. <laughs> it just sort of grew. That's really cool. So... Yeah, so right, so they just randomly offered you a job there and just started taking classes. Yeah, so I, like I guess in my mind I was like, oh, that might be fun. I, like I like being in the gym. For me, it never was a career because I always thought that's just not something that I could do. I don't yeah. know why I never really thought about it to the point where I was like, this is a career for me or I enjoy this. I knew that I liked being in the gym. I've just, I don't know, I've just always been good with people. I enjoy being around people. And you've always, you've always been interested. I remember you saying previously, you've always been interested in the whole – exercise thing haven't you like I remember you telling that story previously when you worked out how you used to walk past gyms and always look in there at what people were doing yeah and there was a fitness first around the corner for where I worked in Sydney <laughs> yeah in Sydney yeah. in the city and I used to like walk past and had massive envy but um and then the one when you're yeah. at uni as well and you used to always like keep an eye on what the exercise science students were doing and yeah stuff. yeah yeah that was yeah because my major was um there were two majors to health science you could do exercise science and physiology or you could do health promotion and few other um, fields there, and then yeah, yeah, they they had the, the like the big footy field near the library, and I'd always like walk past purposely around that area just to suss out what they were doing, and I was always intrigued. But again, I don't know why I never saw it as a viable option for me. I always thought, well, that industry is made for, I guess, people that already know sport or already in. Uh, yeah, it just never was something that I could relate to. Yeah, back okay. then. That's interesting, though, how you always had that kind of innate interest, though, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I never listened to it, though. It was instinct. Never listened to it. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, so then the so then you got offered um, to start teaching a few classes. You just took that and ran with it, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I got offered some hours to do personal training because I was a certified personal yeah. trainer. And, um, yeah. How did you go with your first couple of sessions? Oh, I've got a good story here, actually. <laughs> so, um I was so nervous that I packed a change of clothes. Like I packed a shirt because I thought I'm just going to be so sweaty that I'm going to need like a shirt. I only had like two clients, you know, that night. 
they were my first two clients. So, so you packed like, a change of shirt for between the clients. I was like, if I just, if I keep, I'm going to hyperventilate, man. I'm going to need to like stay hydrated. <laughs> I was so nervous because I don't know, I guess I, I'd never done it before. Obviously the expectation was there that these people were going to get a really good session. And um, I built up all this pressure for myself, but um, the first couple of sessions ran okay. Um, I did have one of my first sessions that I ran with the lady. Um, we were just sort of going through a bit of a conditioning circuit. Um, and she, I guess she started to sort of get a little bit tight in her chest with her breathing. And for me, I had witnessed other PTs who were like the stereotypical, like yell out, you can do this, you know, keep going, um, all that kind of stuff. So in my mind, I was like, if I just keep motivating her, she'll, she'll be okay. You know, and she didn't say, I'm not well, I need to stop or whatever. She kept going. So I was like, you got this, like keep going. And she was doing battle rope slams. I'll never forget this. And then she just stopped and sat down and was like, I need to stop. And I was like, okay, I've now pushed it too much. And she started sort of going really red in the face. Um, essentially, she just sort of worked a little bit, overexerted herself and started to panic that her breathing wasn't regulating. So um, she needed a puffer. She wasn't asthmatic, but she needed a puffer. And then I panicked, forgot everything I'd learned in my first aid certificate. Like Dr. ABC was like not there. It was, yeah, it was a mess. And then I had to call over another PT because I was so nervous. I didn't know what to do with her because I kept trying to cue her to calm down, but it wasn't helping. Got her my asthma puffer, you know, she took a few um, puffs of that and it was just mortifying. It was so mortifying. And she was laying down on the ground, like imagine this, laying down on the ground, feet up in the middle of the gym, everyone's staring. And I'm just like, besides myself, I don't know what to do. And yeah, she was fine. But that was not, not a good experience for the first week. Was that the first session of that night or the second one? Uh, honestly, I can't remember. I do know it was the, one of the first fews. It was definitely the first week of working as a PT. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you were saying it was one of those first two sessions. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Because no. that would have been rough if that was like your very first session. Then you had to do, <laughs> then you had to do another session straight afterwards. No. Like, we're just going to walk on a treadmill for the next hour. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to overexert you at all. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's like I'm like obviously, there's like obviously you hope she's all right, but um, yeah, I think every coach has stories like that of like when you first start training people yeah. and you just you think you know what you're doing, but you really don't. Yeah, because naturally my innate like feeling would have been to just ask her if she's okay or just wait till she was okay to you know regulate her breathing or whatever. Yeah. But I sort of felt there was an expectation on me to perform as a different you know type of coach or personal trainer so anyway you learn soon enough that you just got to block out all the crap and just do what you know is right for the person yeah that's really cool and there's little things that you just 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 become almost innate like you can't teach like knowing how hard to push someone and all these sorts of things yeah you just learn that as you go like it's not something that anyone else can tell you how to do you just have to train enough people that you learn oh Oh, I went too hard in that session or that was too easy for them. That exactly. Sort of stuff. Yeah. And you, but, it's all about the person as well and how yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get to know their threshold and yeah. But I guess the big and I guess the thing you learn from that is as well, you're always better off just starting way lighter. Absolutely. Way way too easy. Yeah. Than way too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trust me, I learned that after that session, man. <laughs> um, that's cool. So that so then it just evolved from there, did it? So you just started doing a few sessions and what they obviously thought you were pretty good and then you started picking up more sessions? Yeah, it, it kind of grew pretty organically. I didn't really um, put a lot of effort into trying to grow it because it wasn't my main source of income. I had my job. So I was working 40 hours a week and then I'd just go in and do um, whatever sessions I had then. And then it just started to grow organically. I started to meet new people in the gym. They'd ask to book in with me. 
um, because I trained there as well, I always sort of, you know, knew who was there and then they started to realise that I was working there and, yeah, and it just sort of grew from there. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And then so was there ever a point, was there ever like a point where you like, I could make a career out of this? Um, it probably wasn't Where it until, started to enter your mind? Probably wasn't until a year in. So a year of a year of working both jobs, a year, a year of, of doing your corporate jobs, jobs and yep. coaching. Yeah. Where I started to I didn't think I could make a career out of it just then. I started to think, why am I so happy being there and why do I keep putting more energy into this field, this aspect of my life? I seem to be pouring all of my energy here and I'm drained when I go and do other things. What was it? Do you know what it was about coaching? Do you remember like was there oh, any man. sort of thing that you're like I, I love this for any particular you know, reason. You know or? what? You know what it is? It's when you have someone in front of you that doesn't really believe in their capabilities and then you hand them a tool and then they do it on their own and you just sort of like guide them and then you see this self-belief start to form in them and then you see this like, I don't know, they just start to manifest this sense of like worth and accomplishment and just knowing that they're capable of this one thing that they never thought was capable. Mm. And better than that, it flows onto the rest of their life. So once they thought that they could never be a capable person in a gym and they see that that's something that can happen, it manifests into other aspects of their life. And that that's what's so fucking cool about it. And I think that's what attracted me to start with, but I never know, I never knew that that was what it was at the mm. time. Well, you don't think about it. No, just, you don't. You just like, do it. It's like, oh, I enjoy this. Yeah, but there's a warm feeling. Like you, you help someone and you're like, Fuck, that feels really good. It's like it's all warm in your belly, man. Like it's, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but what you're saying is right, hey, that's something that's so true because so many people come into a gym and they think they look at what other people are doing and stuff and they're like, oh, I could never do that. And then you straight away like, yeah, you can. Exactly. Um, yeah. But they don't see it for themselves. So it's one of the things that you kind of do as a coach. You kind of see things for people that they can't see for themselves. And you kind of just guide them towards that. Yeah. And you're right. And then when they do that, they realize, oh, shit, I can actually do that. Yeah. And you're right. Then it carries over to like other aspects of their life too, where they That's realize, right. oh, there's no reason I can't. Do and it's, this it's one of the most intimidating things to do, to be vulnerable, and sweaty, and like you know, awkward and fumbly. And there's all these other people that are around you, and they're the biggest thing as well fit. is though they don't realize. Like, say they look at someone like you, who they see who walks into a gym confidently and does all this Olympic lifting and that sort of stuff. They don't realize that ten years ago or plus, however, when you first started in a gym, you're exactly the same as them. Yeah. I was the epitome of an awkward person in gym, man. Like I could have featured on gym fails often <laughs> in my life. I still, yeah. I still could. I think they don't realize that though, that everyone starts at that point. Yeah. Everyone has to, everyone starts somewhere there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you had been working your corporate job and coaching for about a year at the same time. And that was kind of when you sort of started to think, I really, I'm enjoying this coaching stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I knew I enjoyed it, but I knew that. It wasn't going to be feasible financially. So you'd start. So you'd start to think about whether it could be possible for you to yeah. do that as a job. Yeah, so. I started sort of um, like I started calculating the numbers and seeing what it could. Because you know what, it's cool when you have a passion and everything, but when it doesn't pay the bills, it's a different story. So I started to sort of think about it really logically and um, calculate what it would be like to have that as my only source of income. Um, and it's an unstable. It's an unstable um, career. Or, or industry so it's all dependent on your clients and um, yeah. and that's a big factor you have to really think about that when you're transitioning to different career paths but yeah 
started to think about it, started to sort of um, work the numbers a little bit and I came up with so many reasons not to do it and to delay it. And I thought, oh, I'll go part-time in a corporate job and then do this part-time and that'll give me a few hours extra here and there. But every time I came up with a new mind map, and I love mind maps, I just draw mind maps. Those that to... I know, beer is very organized and very <laughs> planned out. Everything is mind mapped. It's good. You can like do a massive brain dump of your thoughts on a on a piece of paper. Hey, pros great. and cons list. Yeah, oh, love me a good pros and cons list. I have so many of those. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I started doing all of my pros and cons list and I every time my gut was telling me to just do it and stop being a wuss and risk it. And I'm not a big risk taker. I like calculated measured risks. I like to know numbers and figures and all the rest of it. Um, and I, for the first time, I think I actually just did something based on my gut. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And worst comes to worst, I can always go back. Yeah, so you just decided to follow your gut and you're like, oh, well, worst case scenario, I can always just go back to what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I kind of knew I wasn't going to go back because well, I made yeah, a decision. just hoping you weren't. Was it a um, – did you slowly just drop off your hours at your corporate job and build up your coaching or did you just take a massive jump? No, I did it the other way around actually. <laughs> so I actually built up my coaching hours to the point where I was doing about 50 hours a week of work. No more than that. I'd say about close to 60 hours a week. So I was doing about 40 in my corporate job. And then... Um, so what was that like, that period where you were just doing both jobs? Oh, dude, I had like no sleep for a very long time. I was I was just... How long were you doing that for? About two years. Yeah, yeah about two years. Because I did something similar, but mine only lasted for about six months of doing two jobs. We just flat out the whole time. Yeah. So that's amazing that you did that. Yeah. Like, so I started I started PTing in July of 2017, and then I quit my corporate job in May of 2019. So obviously I didn't start off, you know, with it's flat with out. All, yeah, yeah. No, but it, it grew over time. But I I just never hesitated to take on more hours. I was yeah. always like, oh yeah, you want me to do a Saturday? I can do Saturday. Or you want me to do Sundays? Oh. So next thing you knew, I was like seven days a a week I was in the gym morning and night and yeah. then I was working 40 hours a week and I can safely say like I don't think I could have done another week of that because I was just besides myself like I was not sleeping mm. I didn't see my friends or my family as often as I wanted to um, my day was regimented down to the bloody five minutes like it was so intense because um, it meant that I had to like be in the gym and then I had to be in my other job and my other job was quite demanding with clients and I just couldn't sort of float in and out of the office. I had to be there at particular times and, um, yeah, as flexible as, as um, my, my manager was, it wasn't just – it just wasn't feasible with a full-time job. Yeah. So then – so where – so at this point, had you started training at RealFit at that point? Yeah. So I was a member with RealFit in, uh, in between that time. So I think it was January of last year I joined here as a member. Yeah. So that's January 2019. Yeah. 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 So how did you how did you come across RealFit? Um, I think I found you guys on Instagram. Yeah, I was following your content for a little bit before that. Mm. And I was like, damn, these guys actually know what they're talking about and they <laughs> like they click heart. There's no there's no bullshit in what they're saying. I can understand why things Little are- did you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um I, yeah, I found yeah, found it off social media and I remember getting in contact because I wanted to find an uh, Olympic lifting coach. Yeah. Um, and that was it. The rest is history. So you, yeah, so you started at RealFit first as a member. Yeah. In 2019 and then 
then you were here for that kind of six months as a member. And then, so when did you then quit your corporate job? Uh, May 2019. May 2019. And then you went to full-time in your role at the other gym? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, and then then was it around that time when we started talking to you about potentially working here? Yeah, pretty much. So I think I um, just chatting with, with you guys and Alistair, who was my coach at the time, um, just talking about, yeah, what was happening in, in each other's lives. I was like, oh, yeah, quitting my job. And then, yeah, you guys just sort of started talking to me about working here as a coach, which I was like, that's never going to happen. Like in my mind, I was like, this is the kind of place where I feel like I would be privileged to be a coach in, but I never thought it was a feasible thing for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, we had you pegged pretty early on, to be honest. <laughs> I was oblivious to any of that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. So then, so then you had, so you quit your corporate job, just went straight into the coaching full time. Then you started at Real Fit as well. So we, is that how that worked? Yeah, pretty much. So you much, were doing yeah. both gyms at once? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys um, took me on as a coach and I started doing a few hours here as well. And then. How was the actual process, sorry, of like quitting your corporate job? Was that scary? Oh, man. It was, I think, up until the last day after I actually handed in my notice, I was still, still reading my pros and cons this, man. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, have I just completely made the decision that's going to alter the rest of my life or like in, my in life. retrospect, like it's just, it's not really not that big of a deal. Um, no, it's a big deal because you're like uplifting your whole life essentially. Like yeah, but swapping man, complete like- career. Cause I, cause I kind of made a change as well, but mine was kind of similar sort of job is where yours mm-hmm. has just gone like one thing to a completely different thing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to have the courage to do that. Like how many yeah. people do that? No, thanks man. But yeah, I mean, comparative to big, life changes um quitting your job is yeah it, like it is a big deal but it, you also just need to do it sometimes and risk it and see what yeah happens. but you've also had to make the sacrifices as well obviously because you said because i assume in your corporate job you're getting pretty good money and you've had to go to coaching where you're not going to be getting paid as much money. absolutely totally different so like yeah. you're talking about before you've had to mass you've had to factor that in because it's still got to be practical yeah and you've and obviously you had to make sacrifices to do it yeah yeah, yeah. you just uh, like for me i just decided that doing this thing that felt meaningful and that I was pursuing something that was meaningful. Did you like your corporate job? Was more meaning was more worthwhile. Yeah, I did. I, I, I couldn't have been in a more But was it more than you found coaching and you just realized what it meant what it was like to actually really love what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't so, that you didn't like your corporate job, it was just that you started coaching, you were like, shit, like I absolutely love this. Yeah. Yeah. I was um like I'd I'd coach my clients in the morning and then I'd go to work and I'd be at work thinking about my clients in the morning and my clients yeah. in the evening. And I'd spend my lunch break doing programs. And I would um, just think about all the possibilities of doing certain things. Every moment I had, I would spend working on that part of my life. Weekends, mornings, lunchtime, whatever it was. Yeah, so all your spare time was just yep. working on coaching Meetings stuff. that I was zoned yeah. out on, I would be programming in. <laughs> just thinking about it in your head the whole time. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I was like, well, there's obviously something else to this. I'm not just doing this as a fun little side thing. There's yeah. something there that I need to pursue. So that's why I did it. Yeah, that's really cool. So then you had left your corporate job, dove into coaching. You started at Real Fit. So working at two gyms at that time, mm-hmm. Real Fit and another gym. And then then you slowly, then you just decided. Because I remember how we had a few conversations about you coming to Real Fit, mm-hmm. essentially full time. And, um, and in the end, you obviously decided to do that. So what made you decide to do that? Um, I think for me, the main factor 
in that was that I felt that my values and my cause towards being a coach was supported fully in Real Fit. And I felt like from from the owners of Real Fit to the members, we were all following a, a similar cause. And it is just to better people, to make people more empowered to be a better version of themselves. I don't know how that sounds really corny, but it's the real deal. So I felt like every decision that I was making, the people around me were backing the same cause and they just understood it. They got it. The community is unmatched. And for me, that I felt like if I'm working towards something more meaningful and pursuing that, I need to be all in in terms of what supports my values as a coach and as a person, more importantly. And that's why I decided to um, to pursue that. So in September, September of last year, I came over with you guys here full time. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. It goes the other way as well because um, obviously you kind of deciding whether what you what your values and stuff are, whether that lines up with real fit. And it was the same with, for us. Like, although I said we figured it out pretty straight away, we were kind of like, yeah, she's a good coach and she knows what she's doing and she has the right attitude and values and all this sort of stuff. So it's just been lucky that that kind of synced together and just right place, right time almost, isn't it? Yeah. And then, yeah, well, I can honestly, honestly say Real Fit is far better for you being here. Um, so that's worked out really well for both for both parties. No, I appreciate think. that, man. Yeah, no, it's been it's been really good in an industry where it's really easy to get caught up in um, sales and numbers and um, continually undermining the services to be able to you know clock more clients through. Hmm. I, I just, for me, I can't I can't settle with that. Like I know that the industry has more to offer than that, and I found it mind-blowing that a community gym like this could do that and still be a successful business. So I was like, if this can be done, it's this is where I want to be. I don't really care um, if it's not a, you know, if it's not a um, secure, you know, because small businesses aren't secure there. Mm. And we just saw from what happened with COVID. Um, it meant that I could flourish as a coach and I could do the things that I valued by being supported with a network of people. And I didn't know how valuable that was until I actually came here and felt that. That's really cool. So you haven't regretted your decision at all to go coaching full time? No, no regrets at all. Yeah. Even through COVID, man, like I, um, as stressful as that period was, um, both personally and financially, it just, I never at one point thought, man, if, if only I didn't quit my job. I So just quickly as well, when she says in. through COVID, we just come through a 10-week shutdown for, due yeah. to coronavirus. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really cool. So no second thoughts or anything like that. You've just loved it the whole time. Nah, man. All in. That's it. Well, everyone at Real Fit is very glad you decided to make the change to coaching. Um, yeah, thank you for doing this. Thank you for telling your story. We will leave it there for today. I'm sure this will be the first of many appearances of a beer on this podcast. <laughs> thanks, man. Um, yeah, thanks for coming in. What are you doing for us today? Oh, pretty much just going to train and see some clients tonight and that's about it. Yeah, pretty standard a beer day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks for doing this a beer. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ben.